Today's episode of the Republic of Football is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan Jayaraja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find our work on texasfootball.com. You can follow the show on Apple Podcasts, on, uh, follow us on Twitter at DCTF, follow me on Twitter at uh, Shahan Jayaraja. You can like us on Facebook. we got a whole lot of things that you can do to help <laughs> us out. But we're joined today by a special guest. We've got Ishmael Johnson. One of our editors over here at Dave Campbell Sex Football. And of course, you know, we got to mention. Oh, yeah. The Basketball Magazine is out. Yep. It's on bookshelves. This is a labor of love for Ish, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, man, how, how was putting that thing together this year? Ooh, it was uh, the first, this was the first year that I did it from inception. Last year, I kind of, I was okay. hired during the, uh, during the process. Sure, sure, sure. And so it was definitely a, kind of an interesting thing going from. The football magazine to a little bit of a break in the summer to football season kicking off to by the way basketball magazine and <laughs> right. so um kind of shifting gears for a little bit a little uh, having a little bit of my attention elsewhere was kind of was pretty interesting to kind of balance but um i'm really happy with the way it turned out uh, of course chris beard on the cover shout out to all the texas tech fans out there um and yeah no it, it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of hard a lot of work but you know uh, the guys we had helping me out with it definitely definitely can't be um uh, I can't say enough about how much work they did as well. Yeah, make sure and check out that cover story. It was written by Carlos Silva of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. He did a great job oh, fantastic of job. just uh, getting everything about Chris Beard together. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, he's coached all around the state, yeah. really, to start off. Basically a mercenary coach. <laughs> right, right. But he looks like he's really, really building something over there at, at Texas Tech. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, again, I, I mentioned it last week, but I'm mm-hmm. always just blown away by how much work, how in-depth, how, how thorough <laughs> everything is that we do over here at Dave. Yeah. Yeah, it's a and lot. So, yeah, make sure and pick it up. It's on bookshelves now. You can order it online. And actually check out the new TexasBasketball.com as well. Yeah, yep. Make sure to do that. It's cool. Well, down to business. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week in the state, and I actually didn't do a show on Sunday. A um, couple, of, couple of things going on. I uh, actually got engaged over the weekend. So. Whoa. I know, I know, I know. Uh, it's so crazy to me, too. <laughs> but, uh, but so I didn't do a show over the weekend. Um Weekend did not go so great for me, picks wise. <laughs> Went a cool two and eight. Oh man, yeah. The, I don't think. I, honestly, like I feel like this whole office probably. If we all did picks, we probably all would have gone some similar around there. Yeah, yeah. I know that. I know that Greg when we did free money last week yeah. went a cool two and eight as well. Now, luckily, I'm still you know at five hundred. Sure. I, I built myself a little bit of a cushion, but my goodness. Uh, after that weekend, I mean, the only two picks that I got right was I did pick Texas State. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, and I, was about I picked to say the ones. The one you got right was Texas State. Yeah, I got Texas State right, and I also got Baylor playing very poorly against West Virginia. <laughs> Those were the only two games I got right. <laughs> but, That's awesome. but and you know, one team that I probably did not have enough faith in was Houston. Yeah, man, what a game that was! Right, what a performance that was! Oh my yeah, God. I, you know, I, I thought they were going to win the game. I was pretty sure. confident that they were going to win the game. Sure. What I did not expect was that they would go in. <laughs> And play the number 21 team in the country. And mm-hmm. we can talk about maybe their rank being a little fraudulent. Sure. Maybe. But to go in and beat them by 21 points, to go and house them. And De'Ara King probably playing the best game of his career? Look, I, and I'm hoping to get out of peace yeah. about this soon. De'Ara King should be front and center of the Heisman race. Because two is there. Yeah. Kyler's there. Sure. I think De'Ara King should be up there with anybody else. Man, okay, okay. His numbers. Talk about it. <laughs> uh, his numbers are 
ridiculous. Yeah. Like, of course, like you mentioned, against South Florida over the weekend, seven touchdowns all-purpose, you know, five through the air, two on the ground. Mm. On the season, because he did have two interceptions at the game, sure, right? Sure, But on the season, passing-wise, 2,403 yards, 64.5 completion percentage, 9.2 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. Here's the kicker. 28 passing touchdowns, five total interceptions. <sighs> okay. And then that doesn't even count what he's doing on the ground. Mm-hmm. 413 yards, 6 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. Jeez. So, like, when you talk about Kyler Murray, when you talk about Tua, like, Derrick King is right up there. Probably should be up there, yeah. Right. He's, I it, think it's, and when you look at him, I mean, Houston's offense, they're third in points per game. Right. Like, he's the guy that makes that team go. And last year, it was like, it, last year the question was, does this team have an offense? And when they right. put him there, it was like, oh, look, this team is actually really awesome on offense. Yeah, we were kind of talking about this the other day. But, yeah. you know, uh, the funny thing about Derek King, right, at Manville, mm-hmm. he was a starting quarterback, but they tried to bring in Kyle Trask, tried to get him some playing time. Right. He goes to, to Houston, and, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a quarterback, but they played him a little bit at wide receiver, a mm-hmm. little bit like Greg Ward, actually. Sure. You know, where they thought maybe he could be a quarterback, but they weren't sure. Mm-hmm. Uh Kyle Allen is the starting quarterback right from the get-go. And I can't remember who the guy was in between them, but then... Uh, was it Postma? Yes, yes, okay. Kyle Postma. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, you have a five-star kid, then you have Kyle Postma, who played pretty well. Right. Then they put in De'Aaron King actually last year in the South Florida game. Mm-hmm. And he leads him to a win over South Florida, which was one of only South Florida's two losses that year. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who... Puts up crazy numbers, like yeah. video game numbers. I'm checking out. They're fifth in yeah. offensive uh, S&P. They are second in yards per game. And I mentioned third. I believe I said third in scoring per game. Right. Like, so, it, this is actually a really incredible offense. Right. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's something that I, you know, that it's kind of awkward to talk about. But, I mean, Kendall Bryles is doing a hell of a job bringing that offense together. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And so, no, I mean, this is... The only other teams, by the way, the only other teams ahead of them, Oklahoma, Alabama, Kyler Murray, and Tua. (laughs) The only other Heisman candidates (laughs) are the ones that are uh, consistently in that conversation. That's that's a great stat. No, and, you know, the thing was, going into this year, you know, Houston was kind of seen as sort of a middling AAC team. Sure. Maybe to slightly above middling. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because the thought process was they're going to be disruptive on the defensive line because they have the best player in the country. Right. And, and actually, it's important to say, Ed Hoffer didn't play in the game against South mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah. But that was sort of the thought process. They'll be disruptive up front. They'll be able to move the ball, but maybe it'll be a little ugly. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, that, that first game of the season when they played Rice, mm-hmm. they, they're actually down at the half against Rice. Mm-hmm. And I know. That's when we were kind of buying a little bit of hype for Rice. We were like, oh, right, man, Rice right. might not be as bad as we thought. They might have something to work right. with right off the bat. And, 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 you know, Rice did show some interesting signs after that, but... Ultimately, it was just, you know, it took a little bit of time to get going, yeah. and now they are going. Yeah. You know, because, again, even in that game, they come out and they dominate the second half and end up with 45 points. Right. Uh, and that's, it's kind of just kept on after that, you know? And the thing is, too, like, like I mentioned, Derek King's effect on this offense just cannot be overstated mm-hmm. because you talk about just being a touchdown machine. Sure. <laughs> He's just a touchdown Absolute machine. Absolute monster. Um, through the air. And, I mean, I do think that sometimes he gets a little bit uh, boxed in as being a runner. But, I mm-hmm. mean, at least as of last week, I need to check the numbers for this week. I believe he's still leading com- uh, the AAC in, completion, in uh, completion percentage. Hmm. So, you know, when you're talking about what he's able to do, he's doing it through doing the air. everything, yeah. 
you know, because he's actually, so he leads the team, of course, in passing yards, obviously. Um, he's right behind Patrick Carr in rushing yards. 413 uh, rushing yards to 475, and six yards per attempt leads the team among, like, guys who get real carries. Okay. So, I mean, King is all over the place, and there are other guys who have stepped up, too. You know, Marcus Stevenson at wide receiver has been a fantastic. Courtney Lauder, Keith Corbin. Uh, you know, they, they have so many guys that they run in, and that's sort of a, a typical Bryles offense thing, right? They just keep rotating in all these right. wide receivers. Right, right. And all of them have been effective to this point. Exactly. And... You know, the other thing, too, is that they've been good running the ball. They haven't been fantastic. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, that was kind of one of the things about under Herman was, like, they right. could run the ball really effectively. Right. Uh, they've been fine. Yeah, they've been fine running the ball, but yeah. a big part of that is because King has been so right, good. Right, I was about to say, King. So, so, like, there's a level to this offense, and, and you know, King has another year of eligibility remaining. Man, uh, this is impressive stuff. Maybe he could be, you know, in line for cover boy. Who knows? He, yeah. Who knows? He's, uh, I think he has 36 total touchdowns right now. No, let me see. No. 39. 39. 39. 39 total, total touchdowns touchdown. and averaging 6.6 6 yards a carry. I mean, this, I think he's only, let me see, he's only 20-something yards behind their leading rusher. Yeah, yeah, um, he's uh, 62 yards behind Yeah, us. behind Patrick Carr. Yeah. And so, yeah, he probably should, I mean, because, you know, Murray's leaving. Yeah. Tua's going to be back. Yeah. There's no reason, I don't think, the Heisman discussion shouldn't be Tua, De'Ara King heading into right. this year. And, like, obviously, Tua's breaking football right sure. now. But if know. Tua wins, let's say Tua wins this year, there's going to be Heisman fatigue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be like, ah, oh, yeah, we gave it right. to him, you know. Right. He's going to get, he's, some voters are going to give him automatically second or third next year. Right. Um, and some, they're going to be looking for somebody like De'Aaron King because right. as we saw with Khalil Tate, everyone loves the flavor of the month. Yeah. Everyone yeah. loves, like, the guy who ends the year strong. And if De'Aaron King keeps this up, there's no right. reason to think that he won't keep this up because looking at the rest of their schedule, who on that schedule stopping them? Right. Like, and I, I maybe wanted, at Memphis? Like, right. that's a maybe. <laughs> and well, and I, and I wanted to talk about that real quick. You know, yeah. I mean, so they kind of alternate, right? So they, they had South Florida. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard game, easy game, hard game, easy game, hard game. So, right. so South Florida, and that was a 21-point win. Mm -hmm. At SMU, that should be an easy win. Right. Versus Temple. That one's kind of interesting because mm -hmm. Temple's actually playing very well right now. That's true. Especially that's true. on defense. Yeah. I'm really curious to see – whether Derek King can keep things moving both mm -hmm. through the air and on the ground against Temple's defense. You know, their head coach is former Florida defense coordinator Jeff Collins. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, he took over for Matt Rule, and they had a lot of issues last year. Mm -hmm. But they've kind of and, – and they actually, I believe, lost a, a bad game early in the year. I can't remember. Okay. We'll know more about Temple. I, they see they play at UCF this week, so we'll know. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not saying they'll beat them, but if, yeah. depending on how that game looks. Thursday night. Thursday yeah. night. Yeah. So, early, so actually early in the year – they lose to Buffalo, which is defensible. Sure. They lose to Villanova, which is a little less defensible. Yeah. But other than that, they've been they get really their feet good. Under them. Yeah, they they beat Cincinnati at home. They won against Navy. They beat East Carolina. They beat Maryland by twenty one. So you know, they're a good team. Mm -hmm. Tulane at home that should be a winnable game. And then uh, you finish out yeah with at Memphis. And Memphis hasn't been playing very well this year. That's true. You know they so, they're five hundred I think. Yeah, they're four and four. Yeah. I think they're one and three in conference. So. They lose to UCF, uh, but they only lose by one point. They lose at Tulane, which isn't a great loss. They mm -hmm. lose against Navy, which isn't a great loss. Um, and then they beat UConn. They beat South Alabama, Georgia State, Mercer, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I think that you have to look at this. Well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, Houston's kind of locked up the division. Yeah, basically. Because Memphis has a couple of losses already. So even if they lose to Memphis. They can throw away. They can have a game where they're right. just like a letdown game or something here, uh, maybe. Yeah, so all of a sudden, I mean, again, I, I think that we saw Houston 
being in that, you know, eight, nine win range, mm -hmm. you know, 10 wins looks, I'm not going to say a certainty because nothing's right. a certainty. Sure, sure. But, you know, 10 wins looks very likely. Mm -hmm. A division championship looks very likely. By the way, that potential conference championship. <sighs> The only disappointment you is that it's going to be in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But, oh, man, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, that's that gonna is going to be a fun one. Yeah, that's going to be a great game um, if, if we end up getting it, which, we again, we should. We should. And, uh, I mean, again, you know, I last year, I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. When Major Appleby was hired, yeah. I thought it was a very uninspired hire. I think it was, too. I think be a lot of people thought that. Because, you know, I mean, Appleby... What's Applewhite, what's Herman? That's mm -hmm. always going to be the question, right? right. When, when you hire right. a guy who was an offensive coordinator under an offensive coach, mm -hmm. you know, what's, what belongs to who? You know, sure. and, and almost to a certain level, you know, because I think that you could have kept Applewhite if you had made Todd Orlando the head coach. Sure. Which, you know, I mean, Orlando is a fantastic defensive coordinator. Yeah. But, you know, he's kind of proving me wrong right now. And I think he is, too. He's, yeah, he's taken some chances and, mm -hmm. and, you know, both on and off the field, let's say. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, again, he has put together he's helped put together an offense that's very potent mm -hmm. he's helped put together a defense that causes enough trouble that that Houston is able to win these games pretty easily mm -hmm. you know he's put uh, Derek King in great positions and, and he made the call to go to the to him you know which not a lot of people were calling for necessarily mm -hmm. again we'll have to see I, I you know building a program is is a lot more than just winning some games right especially when you consider how how Applewhite kind of got the job in the first place. Right. Like he wasn't at, he wasn't anywhere. He wasn't right. working anywhere. Right. Um, I think Bruce Feldman had the story yeah. where he kind of spent a week in Tom Herman's basement in Ohio. <laughs> right. And like just kind of picked his brain and they kind of right. talked offense. And right. then Herman was like, well, actually, I need a coordinator when I go to Houston. Right. And so it was like he kind of plucked Major Applewhite back right. into the limelight. Right. And it ended up obviously working out. Yeah. Um, but it was still like, like you mentioned, when Herman left, it was like, okay, this guy didn't have a job a couple years ago. Right. Right. How good. And for the, good reason. And for good reason. His his oh, Texas offenses weren't very good, and even when he was plucked by Saban originally, his yeah. Alabama offenses weren't very. He was good. out of there real quick. Yeah, and so the fact that he's been able to reinvent himself, and right. maybe maybe as we saw, we've seen the Kendall Browse hire not necessarily be wed to yeah. certain things. Maybe he's not an on-field coach as we might have perceived him to be. Yeah. Maybe he's taken more of a CEO role of saying, "Look, I'm going to let them have this. I'm going to let right. them have this, and I'm just kind of oversee." And I kind of. Maybe philosophically they have a similarity, like him and Kendall Bras, right? This, yeah. They're both running spread, you know, kind of uh, spread concepts, you know, very uh, athletic uh, athletic players all over the field, but it's not necessarily major Applewhite's offense. Yeah, and, and you know, to a certain extent, I mean, it's first of all, it's about making hires, of course. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of value to being that CEO mm -hmm. and not being too involved because... Sometimes when you're involved, it just it can take away from everything, yeah. right? You know, yeah. it, it, it consumes you. You know, you're you're obsessed with perfecting this side of the ball. You don't focus enough on the other side of the ball. You don't mm -hmm. focus en enough on strategy and mm -hmm. planning because you. I mean, you're the liaison between everybody. Yeah. Right? that's what a head coach is, mm -hmm. and that doesn't even count the whole keeping the players on the same page. It doesn't count the whole recruiting thing, which is a whole other you know can of worms. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and Houston's still pretty early in their 2019 recruiting class. You know, right now they only have 14 commits. And I don't know if they have a big senior class leaving is a big part of that. Right, right. But, um, you know, I mean, again, they should be able to recruit with anybody. I mean, they do have a four-star commit already at defensive end. So there's a lot of momentum here for Houston. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, again, when you talk about those programs that are outside of the Power Five, 
there's, you know, Houston should be one of those elite programs. Mm-hmm. They should be up there with the UCF. They should be up there with the Boise State, with, um, you know, whoever else you want to name. Right. You know, th- there's no reason that Houston shouldn't be the singular best, if not close to it, uh, group of five team in the country. Exactly. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see long term what they are. Yeah. And Especially have, with Texas and A&M kind of coming right, back into the recru- their right. recruiting strongholds. Right, and, and Oklahoma, too. And Oklahoma as and well. And so, um, you know, we'll have to see what they are long term. But, I mean, again, Houston is rolling right now. And I think that this is exactly what they hoped for when they decided to stick with Major Applewhite. Yeah. Moving on from, you know, the team that was number one in our uh, in our weekly college power poll to a team that is quickly moving up yeah <laughs> texas state yeah uh what how much how much a win changes things <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what maybe they'd win some more games if they just wore those jer- uh, jerseys all the time fantastic man i could not <laughs> i have to give a quick shout out to the marketing team they yeah. went all out um the whole game ops team from what i saw had swt merch uh, every field, every field print, <laughs> all the field prints said SWT. Cheerleaders had SWT stuff. A bunch of Southwest Texas merch. Uh, the promo videos, they were all great. I have to give a shout out to those guys. They did a great job with that throwback because a lot of people had been waiting for that for a long time. Yeah, I mean, man, it just it just brings back memories, right? Southwest Texas, like, oh man. I mean, like when you talk to when you talk to your relatives. Yeah, that's where they went, right? right and so, like, right. They, they, uh, I, I know some relatives who don't want to wear Texas State merch, right? Because they weren't they weren't happy with the name change, and they weren't happy that they kind of scrapped everything to do with Southwest Texas right. uh, off campus. But I mean, I mean, I know there were some logistic reasons why it took this long. Yeah, but it was a long time coming, and they were really, really happy to see it back. Well, well just, just you know, big picture. You, you know, sure. you mentioned. You know, you went to Texas State. Yeah, I went to Texas State, right. What, what do you think of it being Texas State versus Southwest Texas? I mean, like, I understand why they changed it. You know, it's, it, it's not a, it doesn't have that uh, uh, directional school, yeah. commuter school vibe anymore. For sure. Um, it is still a commuter school because of its location and all sure. that, you know, logistically. But I understand why they changed it to Texas State. Texas State sounds has a better name to it than right. Southwest Texas right. State. It's, right. it's Ohio State versus Eastern Ohio. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm personally okay with it, and I understand why they wanted to make the yeah. move. But I wasn't. I don't necessarily agree with how they went about it, scrubbing te- Southwest Texas State from everything on campus. Right. right. There was no merch. There was no – they removed all the plaques. They removed everything. Right. And so that's pro- that probably was not the way to do it. Um, and, but, and I'll tell you what, you know, yeah. if you want to change your name to Texas State, you can still keep those jerseys. Sure, exactly. <laughs> There's exactly. No reason. Like you might, like the only thing is, you know, get, uh, probably update the helmets a bit. Right. But those Bobcats Just jerseys, TXST on it, that'd instead be of fantastic. ST- the yeah. the the shade of maroon was right. Yeah. That lighter shade of gold was perfect. Oh, yeah. it was it was it was no, a, they they did an incredible job. No, I I, I agree. I mean. I, it's just the colors just pop so much. Oh my god! I, I, I don't. I can't even like point to exactly what it was, but it's mm-hmm. just like the, them together. It, it just, just looked aesthetically appealing. Right. It looked like a high level uniform. You oh, know? it was great. It was yeah, great. Yeah. No. So they got to bring those back. So anybody of uh, anybody at Texas State that's listening, we we need those back. Even if they're Texas State jerseys, we need to bring right. them back. Right. Bring them back. <laughs> but anyway, we'll talk about the team as well. I yeah. guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Uh, so obviously they pick up their second one of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've won two games every year that Everett Withers has been there. Right. But, you know, the other was an FCS team. So mm-hmm. I think every year it's been one FCS team and one yeah. uh, FBS. Right. And, you know, the one thing about this win, and I know the final was 27-20, but this mm-hmm. was one of the first games that felt like it was pretty dominant. Sure. You know, and, and again, 
obviously Withers is known as a recruiter and mm-hmm. you want to avoid using the recruiter tag as much as possible. You know, because, right, because right. there are, there's... You People know. attach stigmas to it. Right, right, right. But, you know, I mean, Withers is, to this point, largely a recruiter. Sure. Um, you know, and so I think that you understand after this game mm-hmm. why they decided to play Willie Jones at quarterback. Right. Because while Tyler Vitt is a much more high-level passer mm-hmm. and, you know, ultimately maybe a better player... Right. It's just you have to work with what you've been given, right? Mm-hmm. And at this point, I mean, the offensive line is really young and, mm-hmm. and unproven. You don't have a ton of skill position players around you that you totally trust, other right. than, obviously, Keenan Brown the God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Who, by the way, only had one catch. Wow, wow. One catch for zero yards. So that was, that was literally... <laughs> their second win came when their best player had no production. Because <laughs> that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean... I, obviously, you know, when you live in Texas, you, you don't realize how many people went to some of these schools until, right. until something good happens in football, right? Like, right. I, who knew that so many people went to UNT? I, yeah, I had that's no idea. also <laughs> true, right? So many people are happy about this. Right. Uh, but, you know, I saw people being, you know, celebrating and being really happy after the game. Mm-hmm. You know, does this feel like a step? I think so, because the 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 story this year has been boy, they should have probably won that game. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's been, whether you look at the UTSA game, sure. you look at the South Alabama game, yeah. uh, Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern. Monroe, literally about four of their losses, you look at it and like, boy, they probably should have won that game. Right. Um, and the fact that they were able to, like even though they kind of stumbled down the blocks and let them hang around and have a chance near the end to, to win, New Mexico State, I mean. Yeah. Um, they came out with a win. And, like, yeah. I think that's been one of Withers' talking points where it's, like, we know, like, we're trying to teach them how to finish right. games and right. how to win and how to actually do this. And now that they've done that, right. I mean, granted, it, it stinks that it comes when it's arguably the hardest stretch of the season coming up with right. the with the App State, Troy, and Arkansas State right. after this week um, when they go to Atlanta to play Georgia State. But right. I think it's something that, okay, Oh, that's how you do it, right? It's like, okay, they finished. Right. Okay, awesome. Let's let's see right. if we can do that again. Um, and I, I had mentioned this to you. I think if they win one of the next four, Withers' job is safe because he's showing, hey, look, we were a young team, figuring things out. Look what happened when we got right. things right. And they can use that into next year. Because I always thought this year was going to be the year away. Yeah. They were always going to be a year away from bowl eligibility, a year away from five wins. You know, I, we, I think we predicted them to have four, three or four wins in the magazine. Yeah. This was always going to be that first stepping stone year right. where it's like, oh, here's what Withers is doing. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, it, and you mentioned, you know, you look at the schedule. It's a 10-point mm-hmm. game. It's a four-point game. You know, 15 against Louisiana, but then two-point game, six-point game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the reality is when you go through a program development mm-hmm. – you know, they always talk about the model, right? You know, you you have a bad year, you have the, that year where you play everybody close, and then mm-hmm. you have the next year that you start to win those games, right? right. At least half of them, right? Sure, because sure. because that's the thing, you know. I mean, you talk about the two games that they won. I mean, it was a seven point game, but it was a game that was more dominant than that, probably against New Mexico State. Exactly. Uh, Texas Southern, it was a sixteen point game, which again they were up by a lot, mm-hmm. and then let them back in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really haven't won a close game as yet. And, I mean, again, to a certain level, you have to say, you know, you're not going to lose every close game forever. Right, exactly. It's like eventually, eventually, well, one, eventually these uh, 
these guys are going to grow up and get better naturally. Or right. You theoretically hope. I mean, again, you're um, talking about a sophomore and a freshman quarterback that they've been rotating between. Right, exactly. And that, that I will say that's one thing that probably hasn't shown very you know, well is that they haven't really settled on quarterback. Right. Uh, I know Vitt was, I think Vitt was a little banged up heading into this yeah. week, so that's probably why. That's why Willie Jones yeah. got the nod. But even before that, it was still a question mark. It's like, okay, who's going to kind of start? Right. And, you know, questions about play caller. They changed play sure. callers in the middle of the year. So that's definitely not been a good sign. But And I know fan, the Texas State fans are probably getting a little tired of, hey, they're still building something, right? Because right? eventually right. you want the finished product, right? You want to see you want to see something. And granted, I understand that, right? Yeah. I'm an alum. I understand. I, I also root for this team. I paid for, you know, I'm still paying for <laughs> the, the school and, you know, right, all this right, stuff. Right. So <laughs> I get it. But, yeah, like you, you mentioned, there are still – it doesn't necessarily happen like a PJ Fleck, right? Where you right. go winless and then all of a sudden nine wins, right? <laughs> right. Or whatever PJ Fleck did right. in his first right. year at Western Michigan. And and even Willie Taggart, you know. Right. You go terrible. to the ground. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or even Matt Rule. I mean, right. even Matt Rule. Matt Rule, it it's like burns it to the ground, and then you slowly get the right. embers back, and you, you right. know. It doesn't always happen like that. And I think the, the one thing that this – the one thing that this win did was – it gave them a little flicker, yeah. right? That little flicker of hope because it's it was looking really dire. Yeah. And especially with these last couple games coming up where it's right. like, oh, are they going to get a win from these any of these upcoming remaining games? So, Yeah. And, and you know, just finishing up, you know, mm-hmm. Ever Withers you know, had a lot of success during yeah. a short stint at James Madison. Sure. And so far this time, again, he's recruited very well. Right. Do you – so as, you know, somebody who keeps a close eye on the team, mm-hmm. do you think – that Withers should be back. Do you think that he's the guy to put this together? I think. I think I'm. Uh, man, that's a, that's a tough one because. Yeah. I think I'm going to keep with my original stance. If he wins one more, yeah, he's earned another year. Yeah. Um, because, but then also, if he doesn't, yeah, I don't. I would not be opposed to going to get a quote-unquote Texas guy yeah. to perhaps or perhaps someone who's better at developing talent. Right. Right, because we've – I always like to use the analogy of uh, of Mike Brown yeah. with the Cavaliers. Yeah. Mike Brown is a guy to get you from point A to point B. Yeah. He's not getting you from point B to point C. Right. Could Withers be that also that guy? Yeah. Where it's like, hey, look, he's going to build in this talent. Right. Is he the next guy to take it somewhere? I don't know. Yeah. But there's been situations where – you need this guy, or like a Charlie Strong. Yeah. A to B, okay, cool. Now here's a base. Right. Someone else take it from B to C. Right. You know, and, and I guess my question with with Withers and mm-hmm. with Texas State too, mm-hmm. just as you know, as a program, is you know, this is Withers' third year. Sure. Do you give him basically a full cycle? Mm-hmm. You know, right, do, full do recruiting you let because I mean again, there are still kids here mm-hmm. who are recruited by Dennis Franchione. Yeah. Which is kinda crazy to think it's about. Really crazy to think about. <laughs> but you know, there were there were still kids here who weren't recruited by Everett Withers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a position where, you know, Tech State has only been at this level for a couple of years, mm-hmm. do you at least give this coach an opportunity to have a roster, to have a program mm-hmm. that's all the way his right. before you decide this isn't working. Right. I think the worst thing, I think I put this in the magazine too. The worst thing that happened ever with Withers was Frank Wilson. Yeah. Because he yeah. had immediate success. Right. And I think that honestly said more about the talent UTSA had at oh, the time yeah. 
like Larry Coker yeah. actually built a pretty solid program right. there. There was a foundation. There was a foundation there with high school players, with right. players that are there longer, longer term, more talented players. Yeah. And also, I think you know, UT, uh, UTSA has handled the jump better. Yeah. Overall, like from yeah. an administrative standpoint, Lynn Hickey yeah. was probably a more effective AD at getting that right. program and uh, kind of. Uh, using the market of San Antonio to not only get them in Conference yeah. USA, and there were some other things that are out of Withers' hands sure, that sure, UTSA sure. handled a lot better. Yeah. But I will say that I think UTSA's immediate success with Frank Wilson was the worst thing to happen because everyone was pre- prepared to probably not be very good at Texas State. Yeah. But then they saw Frank Wilson going to bowl games, and it's like, wait a second. Right. <laughs> what happened over there? Why can't we have right, that? Right. And so... And, and that's one of the reasons why, of course, there's a lot of pushback against the athletic director. Right. And maybe a banner flying over Maybe a banner probably flying for the next couple of weeks over, over uh, yeah. Jim Wacker Field at Bobcat Stadium. But yeah. um, I agree with the recruiting cycle thing. There are still players. Like, granted, we talk about Brian London. Yeah. He's a Fran guy. Right. Like, that's a right. guy who's played under so, so Coach Francione. Um, yeah, it is crazy. But I kind of agree with the fact that um, – you kind of need a full recruiting cycle to right. get in your guys. But I'm also uh, sympathetic to hearing uh, uh, the fans out there who still don't know what their offensive identity is. Yeah. Right? Three years later. Uh, they see the progress of the defense. They changed coordinators this year, and yep. the defense is still pretty solid. Yeah. But offensively, there's been so much changing, right? Brad Elliott leaves from Mississippi State. Zach Kerr comes in last year. Offense still doesn't look great. Elliott comes back from Mississippi State. They give him the play calling because it's right. not working out. And so I understand where they're right. coming from. Um, and so I see both sides of the argument. I'm, I'm still, as frustrated as I am watching this team sometimes, I'm still willing to say let's let the season play out. Let's see if they get three wins, maybe an upset over one of these yeah. three last teams because the Sun Belt doesn't make any sense this year. Oh, no. Um, and so... Uh, just look at a 15-13 Georgia Southern game. Exactly. It's... Oh, my God. It's 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 so weird. This this conference is so mad this year. But, um, yeah, I'm willing to say let's see if they get three wins. Let's see if they get four wins. Because if they get three, that's one off what people expected. If they get four, that's exactly what people expected. Right. And so after all the turmoil, you're back to where you pretty much thought you would be. Right, right. <laughs> let's see how this plays out. Yeah. No, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. And the biggest thing that I can say about Texas State, and, mm-hmm. and I'll say this about UTEP too, yeah. they've gone from bad to fun and bad. Right. And, like, <laughs> you know what? That's a big step. I covered this team in 2016. They weren't fun. <laughs> <laughs> they were just bad. Like, I followed this team all over the, their schedule. And I think I, I didn't go to two away games in Ohio and at App State. I, w- I follow this team everywhere. They weren't fun and bad. They were just bad. Right. This is at least, okay, they're in the game. Oh, wait, there's a pick six, right? That's like they're doing right. crazy stuff, and they're at least right. talented. Right. Like Kind of like UTEP. It's like, oh, they have talented players now. It's like, oh, they're still losing by 20. But it's like they're not – I don't have to sit there and force myself to watch them anymore. <laughs> I can actually just watch them. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Well, Ish, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah. Sure, man. Uh, when we come back after the break, I'll be making my picks, doing game previews for all the games in the FBS this week. But Ish, uh, make sure to check out the new Texas Basketball magazine. Find mm-hmm. it on TexasBasketball.com. You can order it online. It's also on bookstores near you. Mm-hmm. You can follow Ish on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. Ish, thanks you so much for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Once again, we'd like to give a quick thank you to North Texas Honda dealers. We're back. We're back after the break. And folks, we got games this week. Like I mentioned a week ago, I went two and eight picking games. It was, 
Whew, it was a tough week. There were just so many games where, obviously, the Power 5 teams in the state went 0-5, and, and I don't think hardly anybody expected that. Uh, because, you know, Baylor on the road, okay, fine, they lose. TCU going to Kansas, nobody expected that. Texas going to Oklahoma State, we thought there might be some weirdness, but I don't think that we actually expected them to lose the football game. And I'm going to Mississippi State. Are you kidding? 15 points? I don't think that people expected that. Texas Tech uh, going on the road to Iowa State, I think we knew that there might be some weirdness there, but I don't think that we thought that Texas Tech would lose by nine points against, uh, against Iowa State. So... Really, at this point, I don't know who you can trust in the state. Even North Texas didn't cover. North Texas ended up losing, or uh, sorry, not losing, ended up winning by not enough points they didn't cover. So, you know what? At this point, uh, the only bet that I feel comfortable making (laughs) are the Houston Cougars. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and get going. We're going to start at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Number 25, Texas A&M travels to Auburn, Alabama to take on the Auburn Tigers. Texas A&M is a four-and-a-half-point underdog going into this game, and this game has trouble written all over it, in my opinion. Uh, Texas A&M did not look good a week ago playing against Mississippi State, and unfortunately, I think that Jared Stidham is a better passer than Nick Fitzgerald because Nick Fitzgerald was able to torch Texas A&M through the air, and I think that Auburn's going to be able to do that to even more of an extent. I think Auburn ends up winning this football game and look, I mean, Auburn's a good team. I, I know that they've gone through some really weird times right now, but they're, they're a good team. And Texas A&M, the dirty little secret about them is that they have not played well at all on the road this season. You know, obviously, to start the year, they have those three great games against Northwestern State, ULM, and even against Clemson, where they only lose by two points. But on, uh, away from Kyle Field at this point, against Alabama, they lose by 22 points. That was a fine game. I mean, I don't think anybody's concerned about that. Against Arkansas at Jerry World, that was a bad game, only a seven-point win. On the road against South Carolina, that's only a three-point win on the road uh, at Williams-Brice Stadium. So now they're going on the road again to Auburn, to the Plains, to one of the toughest places to play in the entire SEC. I'm a little worried. Luckily, this is their final road game, but I think that... Auburn does end up winning this football game, and I think they do it by more than four and a half points. Next up, we've got Baylor hosting Oklahoma State, 11 a.m. on FS1. Baylor's a seven and a half point underdog, and I don't have a great feel for this game because a week ago, Baylor, of course, gets absolutely housed by West Virginia, and Oklahoma State goes and picks up a huge 38-35 win against Texas, of course. Uh, But that game's in Stillwater. Oklahoma State's much worse on the road than they are at home. And Taylor Cornelius played the game of his life, of course. And and Tylen Walls put up huge numbers, and I think he'll continue to put up big numbers against Baylor. But the question is, can they do it to the tune of more than one score? Uh, On Baylor's side, Charlie Brewer at this point is going through the concussion protocol. It's unclear whether he's going to start on Saturday, whether it's going to be him or Jalen McClendon. And the big thing to keep in mind is that Oklahoma State is actually pretty good on the front end defensively. They actually have a ton of sacks. I think Jordan Brailford still leads the Big 12 in sacks at this point. It's, it's going to be a weird game. I don't have a good feel of who's going to win this game, but 7.5 is just too many points with Oklahoma State traveling to McLean Stadium. Uh, and on top of that, it being Baylor's homecoming. I think Baylor ends up covering. I'm close to picking them to win the game because they really need this game but I can't quite get that confident as yet. But I still think that Baylor's going to cover with relative ease. 
Next up, we've got Texas State going to Georgia State, 1 p.m. on ESPN+. We obviously talked a lot about Texas State just a minute ago, and they're five-and-a-half-point underdogs against Georgia State. But this is a big game for the program. They really need to win this game. Uh, I mean, they have opportunities that maybe they can pull some upsets later in the year. But to really feel confident and, again, like Ish mentioned, to, to keep a hold on Everett Weathers' job, they kind of need to win this game. Same with Baylor. I, I don't know whether they're going to win this game, especially going on the road. But they've played everybody close this year. And five and a half points is a lot. I'm going to go ahead and take Texas State to cover. We'll see whether they're able to pull off the win, but I do think they're going to be able to cover. Uh, we'll see whether Tyler Vitter or uh, Willie Jones ends up being the guy under center. But I think Texas State is going to be able to take care of business against the Panthers. Next up, we've got number 17 Texas versus number 13 West Virginia, 2.30 p.m. on Fox. Texas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite against the visiting Mountaineers. And the Mountaineers a week ago absolutely decimated Baylor, beat them by 44 points. And Texas is coming off of a loss to Oklahoma State. Here, here's my concern when it comes to West Virginia for Texas. West Virginia does everything that Oklahoma State did to beat Texas, but they do it at a much higher level. Will Greer has several receivers that he can trust to make big plays, and Oklahoma State was kind of just able to focus on Tylen Wallace and not really worry too much about everybody else. West Virginia has Gary Jennings, they have David Sills, they have Marcus Sims, and a whole host of other guys right behind. Uh, Alex Singfield in the backfield, Kennedy McCoy, and of course Will Greer is arguably the best passing quarterback in the entire conference. I'm a little worried about this game. I, I, obviously, it's being played in Austin, which is helpful. And Tom Herman seems to get his team up for big games. But West Virginia is a tough matchup. And I think they're actually better defensively than people realize. And they force a lot of turnovers. They cause a lot of havoc. I think West Virginia is probably going to win this football game. I, I really think that West Virginia is an excellent team. Other than that win, that loss to Iowa State, West Virginia has pretty much killed everybody. Uh, you know, they really haven't been challenged to this point other than that bizarre game against the Cyclones. So, you know, they in the first week of the Big 12 season, they went 35-6 to over Kansas State. They go on the road, beat Texas Tech and Lubbock. You know, they struggle a little bit against Kansas, uh, against Kansas, excuse me, and then they dominate Baylor at home. So I think that this is a West Virginia team that's rolling right now, that's able to kill teams offensively, especially through the air, and you just have to worry that Texas corners – will need a whole lot of help to be able to keep those receivers at bay. And let's say that, you know, that they bring safety help, of course, which I think they'll have to do most of the game. Well, West Virginia still has three guys who can kill you. So you're going to have to match up a safety against Marcus Sims or Gary Jennings. And that's kind of scary to think about uh, for Texas. Now, Texas has all the ability in the world to win this football game. But I just think that West Virginia is rolling right now. And I think ultimately they're going to be able to pull it off. So I'm going to take West Virginia to win outright in that game. Next up, we have Rice versus UTEP, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN3. Rice is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and a week ago, I broke my cardinal rule of picking. I picked UTEP to win a football game, or, excuse me, to cover. I did not pick them to win, let's be clear. Well, UTEP this week has Rice in Houston, and they really just have to win the game to be able to cover. Now, UTEP hasn't won a game in 20 tries. They've lost 20 straight games, which ties the record for the most consecutive losses in the history of the state of Texas. So now all of a sudden, they have to go. They have to try to not set the outright record with 21. But they do it against a Rice team that's reeling right now. 
ever since losing Sean Stankovic and Emmanuel Sukpa, they haven't been able to get a lot going offensively. And defensively, they're very poor. Now, it's unclear what UTEP's going to do at quarterback in this game. They're probably going to have to play Kyle Oxley. Uh, it sure looks like uh, Ryan Metz is still dealing with some injuries and even might not travel with the team this weekend. But UTEP's going to be able to move the ball, I think. And if UTEP's able to move the ball against this team, I think UTEP can win the football game. Let's do it. UTEP, I'm picking them to win. Rice, this is a challenge to you. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. But right now, I'm going to pick UTEP to win. I'm going to pick them to get their first and only one of the season. This is a big game for them. I think that they're going to have this game circled on their calendar because they know that they don't have many chances for wins. And I think the Miners are going to pull it off. Next up, we got TCU hosting Kansas State, 2.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. TCU is an 8.5-point favorite against the visiting Wildcats. And look, the reality is I don't know why TCU would be favored by this much against anybody in the country at this point. You know, again, a week ago they lost to Kansas on the road. And while Kansas State is not very good this year, they can keep themselves in games by slowing down the tempo. And I think this is going to be a very difficult game for the Horn Frog front seven. Now, the defensive line is playing at a very high level, but the linebackers are having issues, and, of course, the defensive backs are not playing well at all, it, just because of injuries more than anything. I just can't pick TCU to cover a line that's this big, a two-score line. That's what you're asking for. TCU has to win by two scores or more to be able to cover this line. I think there's a good chance that TCU wins, but it's going to be a 3-7 to seven point game in my opinion. I don't think that they're going to be able to win by 9 or 10 or 11 or anything like that. So give me Kansas State with the points. Uh, TCU is going to have a good chance to win this game, and they really need to win this game, but it's not going to be easy, and it might be ugly. Next up, we got SMU hosting Houston, 6 p.m. on ESPNU. Houston is a 13.5-point favorite against the Mustangs. And like I mentioned heading into this, you know, Houston's right now my team that I have the most confidence in in the entire state. SMU has played everybody close the last couple of weeks, and if it was against almost anybody else, I'd probably pick uh, SMU to cover a 13-point spread. But Houston is just rolling offensively. You know, like we mentioned a week ago, they win by 21 points against South Florida, a very, very good football team led by a pair of SEC transfers in Blake Barnett and Jordan Cronkite. And SMU, like, let's look at their, their results, right? They win by, or they lose by six against Cincinnati last week. They win by four against Tulane. They did lose by 28 to UCF, but then a one-point win over Navy, a 25-point loss to Michigan, a 30-point loss to, to TCU, and a 23-point loss to UNT. So having a game at home where they're favored uh, by so many points, that's tough. You know, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough one to, to figure out. Um, but I do think that, that Houston's going to be able to cover. Just with how good they are offensively, I think they're special. I mean, I, I really think that Houston is a special offensive team, like we mentioned in the first block of the show. De'Ara King's going to be able to have a big game against that SMU secondary. And I think Houston fairly easily covers that two-touchdown spread. Next up, we got UTSA at UAB, 6.30 p.m. UAB is favored by 22 points in this one, and... Look, UAB is the best defense in, in Conference USA. They're one of the best in the entire group of five, in fact. Uh, and on the other end, UTSA is one of the worst offenses that we've seen maybe in the last couple of years. i got to give a hat tip to, to Frank Leal because he realized that 
UTSA is averaging only 3.77 yards per play, and it's been a good four seasons since any team in all of college football has averaged fewer than four yards per play. That's how dire this is at this point. I mean, it's just, it's ugly to watch. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you watch this team and get almost any joy out of it. And coming to this game, UAB, they hold teams to 277.9 yards per game. They hold teams to 4.6 yards per play. And the reality is, I think they're going to hold uh, UTSA way under that because all the teams that they've played to this point are way better than that. And UAB is actually number three in the country in scoring defense, 13.3 points per game allowed, and that includes a game against UNT. So you look at this game, UTSA is probably not going to score more than seven points. In fact, I'd probably say that there's a good chance that they score three or fewer points. There's a, there's a decent chance that they get shut out. So on the UAB side, you have to ask, can UAB put up, let's say, 25 or more points on UTSA? Well, you look at their past couple of games, they do get under that mark against UTEP, but then they lose by eight, again, or they, they score 29 against UNT, they score 42 against Rice, 28 against a good Louisiana Tech defense, 28 against Charlotte, 31 against Tulane, 24 against Coastal Carolina, and 52 against Savannah, Savannah State, I think. So UAB consistently scores 25 points or more. So you look at that 22-point line, and you take into account that the Blazers are playing in Birmingham, I think UTSA is going to have a miserable day. I think that UAB is going to be able to cover that 22-point line, and UTSA is going to be right back where they started offense-wise. And uh, this one could really get ugly. That's what it comes down to. This one could really, really get ugly if UAB is able to get going defensively. Finally, we finish out with Texas Tech versus number seven, Oklahoma, 7 p.m. on ABC. Texas Tech is a 13-and-a-half-point underdog against the visiting Sooners. And like I mentioned against Houston, you know, Oklahoma is one of those offenses that just tears everybody up. But Texas Tech's defense is actually playing at a pretty high level right now. And Alan Bowman, the Texas Tech quarterback, is playing at a very high level right now as well. This is, a, this is a tough game to pick because it's going to turn into a shootout. But at the same time, if it turns into a shootout, I kind of think that Oklahoma is just a way better offense at this point than Texas Tech is. Texas Tech, this is one of their most complete offenses that they've had in a long time. And I think this season bodes so well for the future of the Cliff Kingsbury era. But you just can't beat Oklahoma with offense. And Tech's going to win in special teams. They're going to have some turnovers. They're going to do some good things on defense. They're going to get Oklahoma off the field a couple of times. But I just don't think that Alan Bowman's going to be able to outduel Kyler Murray. That's what it comes down to. Oh, 13 and a half points is tough, though. I think I'm going to take Oklahoma to cover. But it's going to be close. It's going to be like a 14-point game, I'd say. Uh, again, Texas Tech is playing really well right now. But playing against Oklahoma is, is weird. Ah. I don't feel good about that. I don't feel good about that because Oklahoma also, you know, again, they're having to go play on the road at night in Lubbock. Weird things happen. But if Oklahoma loses this game, then Oklahoma is out of the college football playoff, uh, you know, picture. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to hold true to that. I'm going to pick Oklahoma to cover because that was my first indication yeah, or inclination. But I don't feel good about this game at all. Do not put money on this game. This line is terrifying. 
<laughs> Texas Tech, again, they, I, I just think that they're not going to be able to keep up offensively with Oklahoma because I think Oklahoma has the best you know, offense in America. And this is really a matchup of two of the best offensive minds in all of college football with Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury. So make sure you've got this game on. I know that, uh, that Alabama is going to be playing against LSU at around the same time, but try to, try to dual screen it because this game is going to be worth it. Anyway, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. You can find all of our work at Dave Campbell's Sex Football at textfootball.com. Follow me on Twitter at Shahan J. Roger. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Sex Football. Make sure and check out the new texasbasketball.com and make sure and check out the basketball issues, which is on bookshelves now. You can also find that at our website. For Ishmael Johnson, you can find him on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. I'm Shahan J. Raja. Another quick thank you to North Texas Honda dealers. North Texas Honda dealers, they're here to help. And thank you so much for joining us today, and we will talk to you again on Sunday.